0: 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning with verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. There have been a number of books that have been written with the title, The Battle for the Mind, and I'm sure there have been thousands of sermons preached with a similar title, It's certainly a biblical image that's drawn from, at least partly from the text that we read this morning, the battle for the mind. Oswald Sanders, J. Oswald Sanders says, The mind of man is the battleground on which every moral and spiritual battle is fought. The mind of man. Vance Havner says, Our defeat or victory begins with what we think. So as we look through this section of scripture here, we see that it talks about weapons of warfare and destruction of fortresses and strongholds and taking every thought captive. Those are all battle images, you see. Uh... So the question here to begin with is, what are these fortresses or strongholds that rise up against the knowledge of God? I mean, God's desire for each one of us is to know him. But there's things that rise up against the knowledge of God. What are these fortresses? What are these strongholds? Well, they're the sins of the mind. Imaginations speculations, false philosophies, lies, deceits, prejudices, vain thoughts, arrogant thoughts, selfish thoughts, fleshly reasonings, and proud conceits. That's probably just a few. Here Paul calls them speculations and lofty things in the mind. In Colossians he says this, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of man, according to the elementary principles of the world rather than according to Christ. Empty deceits, speculations. Instead of being taken captive by these types of things we are to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ just let me mention a few examples of these false philosophies these empty deceptions these speculations and lofty things the first and primary one is the old lie that God is not trustworthy that's one of the big ones It will come at you from a lot of different angles. But it goes back to that first satanic lie, Hath God said? And the question is, are you going to believe God or are you going to believe Satan? The one that's truthful or the one who's a liar? That's the question. The next big lie is something along the lines of, You'd be better off if you disobeyed. And right along, this, along with that one is you can disobey and not die. Another one similar right along with this is the thought that you can live, somehow live without God or you can be your own God. Another one is that your good works can make you right with God. That's the fig leaf deception. So, those are some of those that were right there at the beginning with Adam and Eve. On the other hand, you have the lie that you are so sinful, you could never be made right with God. That's a lie, too. And then, I mean, we could mention so many here, but another really big one is just this one if you follow Christ, you're a fool fact is if you don't follow Christ you're a fool by these various lies and deceptions the devil endeavors to keep man from faith and obedience to the gospel but God uses the power of truth applied by the Holy Spirit to the minds of men to pull down these strongholds and these speculations he destroys these lofty things through the gospel of Christ. So what I would like to do here this morning is look into the scriptures that we've read, especially with the focus on taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. <clears throat> That's where we're going to zero in, taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. What does that mean? What's it mean to take a thought captive? And how do we make our thoughts obedient to Christ? Let me just say, although you probably realize this already, first thing I think we need to realize is that our sinning starts in the mind. Consider any temptation that leads to sin. Where did it start? It started with a thought. It may have ended in an action, but it started with a thought. As one person said, every kidnapping was once a thought. Every extramarital affair was once a fantasy in the mind. Or as Erwin Lutzer says, every temptation comes to us via our thoughts. Along with that, I think that every temptation is ultimately built upon and draws its power from some lie, some twisting of the truth. Where there is sin, lies are always involved. We are believing a lie probably lying to ourselves and usually lying to others you just think about sin lies are always involved so to take every thought captive I first must become aware that I'm thinking sinfully that somehow I'm believing a lie that's not as easy as it sounds because we live in a worldly system that is largely con- controlled by Satan, who's a, who's a liar and the father of lies. We live in, a, we live in a, the surrounding of lies. On top of that, we're masters of self-deception. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is more deceitful than, than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? This is not as easy as it sounds when we're talking about discerning these lies. Jeremiah goes on to say, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind. heart and mind are very close together, you see, when we're talking about the mind and heart. I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind. It's actually possible to allow sinful thoughts to be so, become so habitual that we're hardly even aware that we're thinking sinfully. We've just done it so much. It's just the way we think. So we must earnestly ask God to make us aware of every sinful thought that enters our mind, especially right at the beginnings. So that it can't take root and grow there and become so habitual that we don't notice it as sinful anymore. I the Lord search the heart, I test the mind. We asked ask God God can do it, we can't do it. I am He who searches the minds and hearts, it says in Jesus says in Revelation two twenty three, I am he that searches the minds and hearts. So what should we do when we realize that we're thinking on something that's not pleasing to the Lord, some lie or deception? Well, we must, by the grace of God, take it captive. That's what we're talking about here, taking every thought captive. We must take it captive. We tell ourselves, this thought is not true. It's not true to what I know from the Bible. It's not true to what I know the Spirit of Christ is witnessing to me. So I reject it as false. I give no place to it in my thinking. We have to do that. You can't just let it set there. This thought does not stand true when held up against the Bible, so I take it captive and reject it as not part of my new life in Christ. We have to stop allowing those old lies to affect our thinking. Making our, thought our thoughts obedient to Christ means that we think on things that are in accordance with His Word and His ways. We ask ourselves, What does God's Word say about this thing that I'm thinking on? If it's a lie or a deception, I call it for what it is. It's a lie. Don't believe it. Don't listen to it. It's a lie. Call it for what it is and replace it with some of God's truth, with God's truth. So we recognize, we renounce, and we replace. Recognize it for what it is, renounce it for what it is, and replace it. If there is a lie, there is a truth that that lie denies. So you can always replace a lie with a truth. That's what the lie is trying to do with the truth, but you have to do it with the lie. Replace the lie with the truth. Recognize it, renounce it, and replace it. Christianity is not like some of the religions of the world that teach an empty, emptying of the mind. Rather, we are instructed to use our mind for its intended purpose to know God and to learn from His truth, to learn truth from His word and His world. For the Christian, Reason and truth are intrinsic to the universe because there is a rational, truthful creator behind our existence. The use of the mind is therefore vital to the Christian life. God's given it to us. And he's a rational and truthful God and he wants to communicate to us through our mind his truth. He speaks to us in understandable ways in his word and in and through his world so i say again the use of the mind is absolutely necessary for living the christian life moral responses are not mindless acts they are choices informed by the mind jonathan edwards said this the will when you will to do something the will is the mind choosing If we take a verse like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding as some kind of an endorsement to turn off your mind, we're missing the point. We're never to embrace some form of non-rational mysticism or go just by our feelings. That's not what heart means when he says "Trust, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Heart does not mean feelings or emotions. It speaks of our total personality. Leaning on your own understanding has to do with making decisions as the natural man would make them. We're not supposed to do that. The natural man makes their decisions by disregarding the revelation that God has given in His Word and through His Son. We don't make decisions like that. We don't lean on our own understanding that way. Leaning on our own understanding is not acknowledging or being mindful of God's power and purpose and plan in your life and in the choices you make. What we're supposed to do is take the precepts and promises and principles found in the Bible and take every thought captive to them. You can't do that if you turn off your mind. You do that by having your mind renewed by the Holy Spirit. And that's a daily thing, should be a daily thing, should be a constant thing. When a person becomes a Christian, he's given a new heart, which in part means his mind is being renewed to what it was meant to be. That's what happens when you become a Christian. A process begins of your mind being renewed to what it was meant to be and to be used for what it was meant to be used for. Sanctification in the Christian life is largely a work of the mind being progressively renewed. Have you ever thought of it that way? Sanctification. It's your mind being progressively renewed. Every thought is more and more taken captive to the obedience of Christ. Here's just a few verses along those lines. Paul says this in Ephesians, In reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That's what's going on, you see. As a Christian, you're being renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self which which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Paul says this in Colossians, set your minds on things above, not on things of the earth. And he says in Philippians, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Let your mind dwell on these things. That's part of how you have your mind renewed. It's a spiritual work, but these are the things that you dwell on. If you dwell on the lies, deceit, and deception, of course, you're going to sin. You're going to get all messed up. Satan would have you think just on just the opposite things, the untrue the dishonorable, the unjust, the impure, the unlovely things that are not commendable, that are not praiseworthy. But God wants us to use our mind to dwell on the good and profitable things found in his word especially. Our responsibility is to take captive our thoughts, to put off the old, to put on the new, to set our minds on things above to let our minds dwell on those wholesome, true, liberating thoughts that will work good in our lives and in the lives of others and cause us to increase in the knowledge of God. The battle for the mind is against every thought that sets itself against the knowledge of God. So we must know his word and be sensitive to his spirit. We must ask ourselves, does this agree? with God's word does this please his spirit or grieve his spirit if it does not please his spirit and conform to his word don't dwell on it refuse it replace it with his truth actually in many cases the battle for the mind has to do with preventing wrong thoughts from entering in the first place If we guard our hearts and minds, we can often prevent bad thoughts from intruding into our thinking. How do you do that? Well, here's a few ways of guarding our hearts and minds. First of all, guard what you look at. Many of the thoughts we have come into our minds through what we see. The internet, the TV, videos, magazines, movies, can either be a source that's positive or negative, godly or ungodly. But you have to guard what you watch, guard what you look at. Then you have to guard where you go. Wrong thoughts can be triggered by being in the wrong place. If you know that certain places will bring unnecessary temptation into your mind, don't go there. Guard where you go. Guard who you spend your time with. Someone told me just a few weeks ago here at church, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. We, we become like those we spend most, time, most of our time with. Bad company really does corrupt good morals. This does not mean that we should never befriend non-Christian But it does mean we must be careful about the influence they're having on us. And sometimes that can be very subtle. On the other hand, it is good to remember that it works the other way too. If we spend time with godly friends, it can help us to become more godly. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Guard who you spend your time with guard what you listen to Jesus said take care what you listen to by your standard of measure it will be measured to you and more will be given to you beside that's mark 4:24 if we constantly listen to things that present wrong values and standards we will make wrong decisions This could come from the music we listen to, from the teachers or preachers we listen to, or just everyday conversations. We have to guard what we listen to. We have to guard against allowing worry and anxiety into our thinking through lack of trusting prayer. Or another way of saying that is we need to let the peace of God guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This, of course, is a verse there in Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. One of the greatest ways to guard our heart and mind is through prayer. Guard against the thought of wanting to experience a little sin to see what it's like. 1 Corinthians 14.20 says this, Brethren, do not be children in your thinking, yet in evil be infants, but in your thinking be mature. What's he saying? Well, I think he's saying there are some things that we're not to exercise our mind on. We don't personally have to examine evil to see if it's what God says it is. If God says the garbage can of of sin stinks, you don't have to crawl in it to find out. So in evil, we need to be babes. But we're to be mature in our thinking, which means we're able to see things in their true light. And that comes by walking in the light of God's word and seeking to be led by His Spirit. Next, I would say we need to guard against any redefinition of what God calls sin, making a vice appear to be a virtue. The world is a master at this, and we need to be careful not to allow that way of thinking to come into our Christian life. Like, for instance, calling covetousness thrift. Or sinful living liberty. Or gossip Christian concern. We've just redefined a sin, you see. have to be very careful. That's just a few examples of what we're talking about. We must realize that sin is no less sinful. In fact, it's more sinful by trying to present it as a virtue. It's like taking a bottle of medicine and... and, uh, well, it's like, what it's like is taking a bottle of poison and labeling it as a medicine. We can be sure of this. Our worldly redefinitions of sin will not stand in the day of judgment. It will be seen for what it is, not for what we've called it. Guard against the thought that little sins don't matter to God. It's good to remember that the, the Bible does not say the wages of big sin is death says the wages of sin is death it's also good to remember that giving way to a lesser sin often makes way to committing greater sin Satan often uses a lesser sin like a wedge in wood to bring about a greater destruction so guard against that idea of little sins really don't matter that much Guard against the thought that if you do sin, repentance will be easy. Well, I sin, but I, I just repent. So you go ahead and sin. The fact is real repentance is not easy. What is repentance? It's a thorough change of mind. See, we're talking about our mind here. Repentance is a thorough change of mind about that sin. And repentance is supernatural. There can be a super, superficial repentance, but a thorough repentance is supernatural. God grants it. It's also good to remember that uh, the same liar who told you that repentance is easy before you sinned will tell you it's impossible after you've sinned. Well, those are a few examples of how we can guard. Against some of these deceits, speculations, these these, uh, lofty things that rise up against the knowledge of God. The big thing to remember is that the Christian life is supernatural. All of what we're talking about here has to do with the power of God working in the people of God. This is what Paul is saying. He says We don't war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful to the destruction of fortresses. Destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We have to stop believing lies. By the grace of God, we stop believing these lies that are all around us. And we pull down these fortresses, destroy them, having God renew our minds daily and taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. It's part of the gospel. God will bring this about for His people. There's a lot more in these verses than we've looked at this morning, but maybe this is a start.